Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry podcast brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Today, I got a new buddy of mine, uh, another musician, very talented, big bearded son of a gun, uh, Mr. Roy Saunders. How you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me out. Uh, I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, it's kind of weird how we met, me being intoxicated, seeing you at a bar, but hell, that's how... I mainly meet singers. If I wasn't already friends with you before I started drinking, I will be when we get done. I was going to say, that's that's normally how most of my friendships start, so. Well, that's, hey, I say we're either trauma bonded around here or we're borderline alcoholics that like each other. Right. So, <laughs> well, um, Roy, you're not from here. Um, you're from North Georgia, right? I am. I was born up in Blairsville. Blairsville. Where's that at? So it's up in the mountains. It's uh, just shy. You of North look Carolina. like you belong in the mountains. <laughs> I did, I mean, you really look like you could be a hillbilly. Uh, that's where I feel at home. Look, my my family is uh my dad's side. It's from Jamestown, Tennessee. Okay, I've been there one time in my life. Sales so never ever going back because how people joke about hillbillies until you see them. Uh, it's a whole it's a whole different breed of animal. You hear the banjos playing, and uh, I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> We, uh, me and my family took some of our family members there out to eat while we were there. And we were like, hey, dress up. We're going to steakhouse or whatever. Daddy took us, um, took them to. Well, the next day before we get ready to go home, they're like, hey, uh, we want to take y'all out to eat before you go home. So y'all get dressed up or whatever. Okay, cool. I shit you not. They said, just follow us. They took us to KFC. (laughs) They took us to KFC and was like, it's on us. And I'm not downgrading anybody that can only afford KFC, but they thought it was like the, the cream of the crop. Right. It was, you know, you're going to get some, you know, Cajun, or not Cajun, but the Colonel's chicken. And uh, they thought it was just the coolest thing ever. And I mean, the Colonel knows what he's doing. I don't like KFC. <laughs> Unless you want to sponsor the show, then I absolutely love it. It's finger licking good. But besides that, I really, KFCs don't do it for me. So where where I live I live just outside of Atlanta in Marietta, and uh, we have one of the landmarks. And it took me a while to get used to this when I moved there because um, I lived in Florida for a while and then came back up. And everybody would give directions. This was before GPS was around. Everybody gives directions on you're going to go down to the big chicken. Either you're going to head towards the big <laughs> chicken or away from the big chicken. You're going to make a right at the big chicken or left at the big chicken. And I shit you not, right there in Marietta, there's a KFC that has a probably – a huge chicken. It's it's like a two story tall fucking chicken that its eyes roll and its mouth opens and closes, and uh, that's that's a landmark of the area. I was conceived in Marietta. Were you? My mom and dad <laughs> met in Marietta at a bar, and uh, they were both young. Um, and my mom's originally from here, or from the town over in Eastman, and they dated each other for a while. Mom got pregnant. And when they got pregnant, it was like, we don't want to raise a kid in Atlanta and Marietta. So they moved down here. Uh, my dad has been here. He's a Yankee. Uh, well, I say he's a Yankee. We like to give him hell about it. We call him a carnival, like a carny and a Yankee. <laughs> Anything really to piss him off uh, because it's, it's funny to us. But he was born in Ohio. They met in Atlanta, but now we're here. So Marietta's got some ties to us. I got some good friends up there to work at Dobbins. Okay. Yeah. Um, and everything. So that's cool. Um, well, how did you end up getting started in music? Because uh, I'm guessing the heels had something to do with that. Um, you know, you'd be surprised. I, I 
say that I'm from Blairsville. I was born there um, and grew up there a little bit. And then we moved down to Gainesville, Georgia. Um, and then we bounced all around. So I lived in Jacksonville. I lived in West Palm Beach. Um, I lived in Augusta. Just family uh, moving for work? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my my dad was a musician. His dad was a musician. Um, so the house was always full of music. Oh. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side was the uh, president of the Musicians Union in Jacksonville, Chesapeake, Florida. Uh, and that's where my dad was born. So he played music. He played music. He was in World War II. He played music overseas. He played uh, piano for the liberation of France. Um, and then my dad was in a rock and roll band in the 70s that toured around the southeast. Um, they opened for Skinner and Molly Hatchet. And that is, like that's that. cool. So, but I was a, you know, I was really against playing music when I was a kid. Um, Cause you were just around it so much. No, it wasn't that it was, it was the fact that I wanted to be a drummer and uh, my, <laughs> you're one of those. My, my grandpa was okay. a pianist. My grandpa was a pianist up until the day he died. And uh, my dad's a guitar player. So my dad, when, when he was, I was probably six, seven, something like that. He put a guitar in my hands and I wanted nothing to do with it. And now I kick myself in the ass cause I was like, I'd be, such, I'd, I'd be such a better yeah. guitar player than, than, you know, what I am now if I were to learn then. But I wanted to learn how to play drums. And uh, he wound up finally getting me a snare drum. And that's all he got me was a snare drum. <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like, what the fuck is this, dude? Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, if you learn how to play that, then I'll get you the rest of the kit. But I'm not going to buy you a whole kit if you're not going to play it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't understand. Now I understand because all of your, your roots come off of a snare. Yeah. Um, but I looked at it and I was like, man, this isn't you know, cool. I was like, the snare drum sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he wound up, or I wound up just not having any interest in it and didn't play anything. And, uh, then when I, I think I was 18 or so, I had some buddies that had a metal band and they were looking for a bassist. So I wound up, my dad gave me a bass that he had and I wanted to learn how to play bass. And how long did it take you to pick up bass? Bass was real easy. It came pretty natural, you know, and, Especially the way that they explained it to me, because they were just in like dire need of a bass player. And yeah. playing metal bass is pretty easy, unless you, you know, unless you're like, you know, Cliff Burton or something like yeah. that. Um, they were like, you know, wherever this guy's lead finger is, you put it there, mirror him, and just rock your other two fingers bom, as fast as possible. So then from there, uh, I wound up leaving that band. And I. What kind of metal did y'all play? It was, we didn't pretty much nothing but originals. Oh. Um, that was, I didn't really. Like heavy metal, it 80s was, metal. It was, it was heavy metal. Um, like you ever heard of uh, Helmet? Uh-uh. Band Helmet? It was very similar to Helmet, um, but it was it was some pretty heavy shit. Yeah, I, I've never got into it. Metal- it was, Metallica is about as, well, Metallica, Godsmack, Some of Stained. You know, some, some of that, like, I like that stuff. But there is not a lot of it that I can get into. I don't like being hollered at. I went I went through a, a pretty decent metal phase. And it was it was metal hard rock. Um, but I, I grew up listening to, to everything. My mom was more of a country person. So, you know, I had her, her country influence. My dad had the southern rock. And then he also loves jazz. So I always, I, I had a wide variety of music. And then I started figuring out stuff along the way. Um, and that's kind of what took me to being a metalhead for a little while. Um, I have I have this vision of you though, like I really want to hear you do a blues song. 
Blues, I'd love to do blues. I love the blues. Like blues, like somebody like you, your voice. I'd love to sing blues. Um, yeah. I'm I'm definitely I undersell myself a lot, but I don't see myself as a blues guitar player. Yeah. Uh, when you, who when you, is? When you start playing blues shit. and jazz, that shit makes no sense. My dad can play it all day long. Man, yeah. you're you're if you can play the blues guitar, you're special. Right. I mean, it is you the everything that they the notes they hit. And then from one to another, the seamlessness of it. Oh, dude. I, I love it. My dad my dad tried to teach me. It was probably about five or six years ago. He was trying to teach me how to play jazz. And the chord shapes, I was like, this just, I was like, it doesn't make any fucking sense on, on what you're doing here. Yeah. You know, because they're all seventh and diminished and, and this stuff that I'm like, well, from what I've, everything else that I've learned on guitar, none of this, this goes against all the, all of the rules that I've learned. I can see you doing like some nasty muddies water cover of like Manish Boy or, or something. Man, I, I, I dig that. I you just uh, I'm all about people that have unique voices. Okay, uh, as we were talking earlier, I don't like pop country, and uh, you came here wearing a damn Cody Jink shirt. <laughs> you got a hat that I wish I could wear. You don't understand. I look like such a jackass wearing any hats like that, and I'm obsessed with them. That's, I, I wish I could. You just look like the type of guy, and you do when you listen to your music, that you got this southern rock badass. I think some of that metal kind of rolled over into you, too. Fed into it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the things, and I appreciate it. Um, like Blackberry Smoke. I, I love those guys. Yes, they're, they're from the Atlanta area. And uh, two of the members, uh, Britt and Richard Turner, the brothers, they started out in a metal band. You know, so their whole rhythm section is geared off of they're freaks out. off of having like, a metal band. You they're know? so freakishly good. They are, and then like you go from like some of their first couple of uh, I say they're funny. Uh, some of the songs on one or two of their first albums. Oh yeah, the dirty songs. Yeah, and it's like okay, these guys got my attention, and then they blow you the hell away with some other stuff, and it's like, all right, you know, I mean, they're they're one of the ones that I think a lot of people just they don't get the credit they deserve. No, and I've I've been following them for a long time, and I always tell people when they don't know who they are, you know, I tell them, look up this album, look up that album. Like, yeah. uh, Little Piece of Dixie is a great album. Whip Rule is a great album. But I was telling them if they're if they're around your town, go see them live because their yes. tickets still are not. They should be out of the roof with how good of musicians they are, but their tickets are still cheap. And when you go see them live. You're going to see something that you haven't seen since, like, the 70s. They're yeah. one of the bands that we're trying to get a hold of to actually book. We're just now getting into where we're getting to book bigger artists. And one of the things with Raising Grace is it stands for somewhere between Raising Hell and Amazing Grace. Um, I used to be called the Bearded Bastard on social media. And uh, then I went through a name change to Raising Grace. My daughter's name is also Gracie. So everybody that gets to see me day in and day out on social media, my daughter is a big part of it. So you get to see me raise grace. Uh, so it kind of went hand in hand together. But we, when we book shows, we want to book artists that are complementary to our brand. And folks like you and Blackberry Smoke and Creed Fisher show that we've got coming up and some more stuff like that. Like those are the artists we want to work with. I mean, y'all are real. This. I told you when we was doing the Velvet Session, which y'all can go check it out. It's up now on YouTube. Uh, Raising Grace Velvet Session with Roy Saunders. Um, it's where 
I want to be able to put out real music and you don't have to worry about the auto tune. You don't have to worry about the processors. You don't have to worry about getting up there. What you hear live and raw, uh, or I say live, what you hear on your computer or phone live and raw is what you'll see in person. Right. And that's so cool to me. Like that's real artistry. And that's why I like me and you telling you he was playing at Barefoot Tavern, which you're playing at tonight. Because this this will be out in a couple hours. So if you're in Macon, uh, what's the day's date? The 23rd or 22nd? 22nd. 22nd. Today's the 22nd. So if you're in Macon tonight and you're hearing this, 22nd of October, uh, 2020, which I don't think anybody's going to go back in two or three years. Listen, <laughs> maybe they do when you blow up or I blow up, and you're like, oh, shit. They were buddies then. They got okay. to each other. But y'all go check him out. What time are you playing tonight? Uh, I'll be playing from 6 to 9. Uh, but last time it went, I think I played until like 9, 30, 9, 45. Yeah. Um, that place can get rowdy. I think it's one of those things that if it, if it gets packed, then they let it ride. it'll keep on going. Like the first half of that show, last time it was my first time playing down there and first time playing at Macon. Yeah. And I played to like the dinner crowd that was very mellow and chill. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was just before you came in, a whole different crowd came in. I was like, all right, let's turn it up. And no, no, uh, you definitely, while you're in Macon today, because y'all are going there the same time I am, yeah. uh, I'm going to introduce you to uh, Cashman's Pub. Okay. Uh, there's some buddies of mine that's got a really cool bar downtown that books artists that do acoustic acts. And then uh, Late Night. Late Night is uh, one of my friends, is the bartender there. And I, uh, also, how I met the owner about two weeks ago, shit-faced, and he knew who I was, and uh, we got to hit it off, and we exchanged numbers, and then, like a jackass, the next day I texted him, and because uh, I didn't know his phone number it was in my phone, <laughs> and I texted, and I was like, sorry, I had a missed call from this number, who's this? He's like, oh, this is uh, this is the owner of Late Night. You got my number last night. So they're going to tell him what the hell I told this guy. Right. Like, there's, there's, I, I'm, I, I think... Until, like, I hear somebody say shit that I said the next day. It's like, oh, I'm a very good drunk. <laughs> I can I conduct myself very well. Uh, but, no, like, you, uh, when I walked in the door that night at Barefoot, it was a tension grabber. First of all, you look like me. Right. Like, we both got big beards. We're not little fellas. So, it's like, oh, I like seeing that. Like, I like seeing rough. I don't want my country music played by pretty boys. Right. I don't want my music, per- period, play by pretty boys. So when I see somebody like you, you didn't have on fucking skinny jeans and you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have on a band t-shirt that you know like hell you never listened to. Right. It makes me so mad when I see these Nashville artists and they've got like on a, uh, you know, whatever band it would be. Just, what's it, like Panther or, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I, I don't know why that's the only one that came to my mind. Like I can't think of anymore. But like those 80s, metal bands or whatever. And it's right. like, they got a steel dragon shirt on. Yeah, and you're like, you didn't listen to that. Like, there ain't no way in hell you've ever listened to that. I see you. You're just wearing something you think is trendy. But um, with me walking in the door and not seeing you, which is crazy because you said I didn't remember I'd got a tattoo that day. I actually met you then the day I was fired. I, I met you the day that I was fired. And now I'm going to get a tattoo again today, working on the rest of my sleeve. Um, and I'll get to go see you again, I tell you. I'm all about signs. Like, I am a big person that believes in, like, signs and you're in the right place at the right time. You meet the right people. So that's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's not really eerie, but it's like, okay, this dude was supposed to be yeah, down here this day. Well, it's really convenient. I was already going to be across the street. So now I know you're melting faces tonight. 
it's one of those things, uh, talk about signs, like my girlfriend, she's very much into that. And, uh, I always started doing, I would play my, my original that's out stranger. And then right after it, I would always, and I have done it for every show for the past two years. Um, I play Travis Tritz. I'm going to be somebody. Oh shit. And God just fell in love with you. It's, it's one of those things that I always say it during the show. I'm like, look, I, I started doing this as putting good energy out into, into the world and good vibes. And, uh, it's worked out really well. Cause ever since, I mean, I don't know that it's solely because of that, but yeah. you know, um, since I started doing that, things have lined up. Good things have, have happened. And, and I love that whatnot. shit. So dude. I, I figure it's, I'm going to keep on rolling with it. It, you it should. may be, it may no, be the cause. You, it may you not be the cause. But. Should. Uh, anybody, I, the, God, I wish you wouldn't have said it though. I know for a, a fact, when you talk about signs and shit, like occurrences and stuff, there is a rule of thumb with me that if I go somewhere and the singer is playing Travis Tripp, I know I'm about to have a great night and I am going to drink way too much <laughs> and I'm going to feel like absolute hell the next day. But there's something about Travis's trips music. He's got my all time favorite song and that's uh drift off the dream. Um, it is, I probably won't ever get married, but if I ever do get married it's to that song. Right. And it's my all time favorite. And it's hard for like people like me and you that love music the way we do to pick one, but that's it. Like I know where my go to. Well, he's got such a deep catalog and even some of the stuff that he's covered. Oh um, man. Just hey. are, are ridiculous. Like, uh, I was in a band back in like, it was probably 2013, somewhere around there that, uh, he covered Atlanta rhythm sections. Uh, I know, I already know what you're talking about. I've got it on my phone. I can't remember the damn name of it. Uh, it's something. I know what album it is. Um, oh shit, because it's like a weird cover on the album too. It is. It's something you wouldn't think. Yeah, that, it's that I, shit. Homesick. Yep. Homesick. That's man. it. Uh, I know he kills it. And I, when I moved down, 2013 was the same year that I moved down to Savannah and actually started pursuing music. Yeah. How old are you? Kind of full time. I'm. I'll be 33 in a couple of days. Okay. Cool. Uh, so. When I moved down to Savannah, I started up a band just, it was kind of a random thing. I didn't go down there looking to play music, but I wasn't against playing music. Um, and my buddy, I knew one guy down there and, uh, he wanted to become my lead guitar player. Uh, but he helped me. I met him at a wedding and I was like, yeah, I'm moving down to Savannah, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I live there. So just whenever you move, let me know. This was like three months before I moved. Yeah. And I just didn't know that people were genuine down there. Um, Savannah I mean, is a very unique place, and you usually find really good people. There. Yeah, like I'm used to dealing with a whole lot of assholes. Well, you came um, from fucking Atlanta, <laughs> exactly. I, there's, there's never, and I'm a huge sports fan. I hate the Braves, but I don't hate them. They break my heart all the time. Right. I'm a Red Sox fan, but Braves is the closest thing to do. Go watch professional baseball. I will not give the Falcons a dollar. <laughs> so I'll go to Braves watch the game every once in a while, but there's not another reason to go to Atlanta. Right. Atlanta is the worst place on earth. It's full. It, I wish people could quit going. It has its little honey holes, but you gotta you gotta search real hard for yeah. them. You know, um, and I try my best to I stay outside of Atlanta, um, and I I'd much rather be in a rural setting than a city setting to Me begin too. with. But uh, so I met this guy, and he was like, "Yeah, well." When you move, just let me know and I'll, I'll come help you unload the truck. 
And I was, I just took it as talking to somebody and yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. All right. yeah I'm sure you'll come help me. I don't, I don't mean that. I've, I've got a lot of really good friends in Atlanta. You find don't out. Take, don't take no, that. No, I'm going to tell you, you find out who the hell your friends are when, when it's time you move. to move. <laughs> exactly. You, you yeah. figure out real quick. Oh no, we're just drinking buddies. Like this guy doesn't like me. Um, so I, I wind up moving down there and the day before I moved, I sent him a text and I was like, Hey man, uh, so I'm moving tomorrow. Just letting you know if you want to swing by or anything like that. And he's like, okay, tell me what time you'll be in town. I'll be there. And sure as shit, he was at the house before I even got to the house. Ready to help me unload. Unload the whole truck. It was a 26-foot U-Haul. You know, unload, unload the whole thing. The first thing I ever do when I move is I unpack my band room. Like, I could care less where the fucking couches are or the dishes. The band's got to be. Uh, I got. I start putting putting the band room together, and you know. Oh, you said bed band, band room. room. Yeah, I thought I you said bedroom. No, I don't care about the bed. <laughs> I'll, I'll sleep on the floor. <laughs> but the guitar's got to be in the right spots and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I get it. We're unpacking it, and uh, I'm a huge, huge Garth Brooks fan. Oh, so he uh, he's unpacking this one box, and I have every box set that Garth Brooks ever put out. And he was like, "Oh man," he was like, "This is all. This is awesome." He was like. You love Garth Brooks? And I was like, oh, I love Garth Brooks to death. He was like, I can play every Garth Brooks song on guitar. And I was like, I can sing every fucking Garth Brooks song. And it didn't. We stopped unpacking, and that was our first band practice. That's <laughs> fucking up. It is, doing that? it is insane that you just said that. So, like, my favorite person of all time, besides my daughter, uh, was my grandmother, my ninny. And uh, she uh, she had, she passed away like an old one. And she had a Garth Brooks uh, CD set, and it was the one that had the Red Checkered album in it. It had the Rope the Wind album in it, or whatever. It's like six great albums where you can just put them on and let them ride. Yeah. After she passed away, I cannot tell you how many times I, I was. I turned sixteen in like '04. Meaning you're saying, mate, so it's like 0304, somewhere in there? Uh, I think 03 would be about yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So once I started driving, I had that box set, and I'm talking about forever. And then he came out with that other one that had the Scarecrow album yeah. and everything on. Yeah, I'm obsessed with Garth Brooks. Yeah. I hate a lot of things that he says and kind of some of the shit he's done. But when you go for song for song. As an artist and an entertainer. Yeah. <sighs> I think, and like a lot of people want to say that uh, "Friends in Low Places" is his best song. It's not even close. Uh, no, my my favorite song from him is probably "Cowboys and Angels." Cowboys, Cowboys and Angels is great, but uh, what she's doing now and all oh my god! So my my all time favorite Garth song is an obscure one, um, but it's off the rope in the wind album, and it's uh, "Lonesome Dove." Shut the fuck I, up! I, I, I no no. We're I, best friends. I cover. I cover that song. You do not cover yeah. "Lonesome Dove." Yeah. Um, and I, I'll and pull it out. "Lonesome Dove." She was a girl on, on a wagon train. train. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those. I, it's I'm one of those first I'm the memories. Biggest, I'm the biggest "Lonesome Dove" fan though. Like I absolutely love the movie. So right. when I heard him, that actual version of it, like. And it's just one of those songs that I play all the time, and you can't find it on anything besides YouTube. No. So it's just like, if I could have this song on repeat, I would. That's insane. It's, it's one of those things. It's one of the first songs that I have, like, a memory of. Because the Rope in the Wind album was my favorite Garth Brooks album. That's the blue. The blue one. Yeah. He's got the blue. The blue and black stripe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it's got Rodeo on it. It's got Pop Love Mama it, on it. I think that's the one that there's two different versions of the album because one of them has the, uh, there's a song that I absolutely love and it's like an extra. And it's, um, it's not what she's doing now. It's something, it's one of those. Is it but, the one, uh, uh, learning to live again? Yes, it's learning to that's, live again. That's a killer song. Yes, because on, for some reason he put out two. And right. one of them had it, and one of them didn't. And it's so hard to find that song, period, unless you have that that uh, that one album. Because like YouTube, even the only thing you can find on is covers. You find covers, yeah, that's it. Um, but that was one of the first songs that I remember listening to, and I I used to listen to it as a kid. Uh, my brother and I would go in a room and just play Garth Brooks over and over again. Yeah. Um, but it was one of the first songs that I listened to that you could close your eyes and, and you could see it. and you could see the whole story. Yep. You know, and that's one of the things that I did with with my song was with the music video. When I wrote it, I could close my eyes and see what what the story was about. Yeah. So I put that over into the music video and made it to how. It have was. you Have you ever watched Lonesome Dove? I've not. Oh fuck! You, I'm telling y'all, y'all, it is it is the best love story western that has ever ever been made. Uh, I had a basset that just uh, recently got ran over and killed. Basset oh, Hound. Shit. I'm sorry. And I, well, thank you very much. Um, but his name was Gus. He was named after a character, Gus McRae in Lonesome Dove. Well, uh, people saw that you no, know, my dog had you know been run over or whatever. And um, I'm going to pick another one up this week, another basset. Um, and I, the mom was named Gus. Well, his partner in the things named Woodrow Call. And so the bass that I'm getting this weekend is named Woodrow. Woodrow. <laughs> and uh, no, dude, I'm telling you, like this, this the movie Lonesome Dove is one that everybody. It's got the best quotes you've ever heard in it. It's the best life experience you've ever been. Now it's six hours long because it's like it was a four part miniseries. Yeah. Um, but it is without a doubt the greatest western movie of all time. Like I've got a tattoo right here on my side, and it's uh, one of the quotes from the movie, and it's uh. They're talking about life in the movie, and it says, uh, it's not dying I'm talking about, it's living. So, like, every day, even, like, on the fucking bad days when you think, like, you can't go no more or whatever, you're still alive. Right. So, the whole movie, I don't want to tell you the end. Uh, you, got, you got to watch it. <laughs> don't work it. Oh, my God. To, you, you, you we're going to have to find it somewhere. You ha- you're going to have to find it, like, on uh, Amazon Prime. I'm sure it's Voodoo. on. I was going to say, I'm sure it's yeah, on it's, Prime. It's, yeah, it's on Prime. Uh Oh my! It's got Tommy Lee Jones in it. It's got Robert Duvall in it. They're the really? Robert Duvall's Gus. I guarantee you, and I want you to call me after you watch it. Gus McRae is the greatest character that has ever been created in any movie or book ever. He is the epitome. I don't even know you good yet. <laughs> He's you. He's me. <laughs> uh, one of the first lines in the movie they're talking about when he is um when he was young. How he used to work on a gambling boat, and uh, he said he had to quit working because uh, he was too pretty, and all the whores wouldn't leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, oh man, it's just, it's just great. It's, he's got some of the best. My intro to this show has a line from that movie in it, and I'm telling you, it's 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 a life changing film because it just it goes it goes through the whole process of being in love with somebody, tragedy. Everything. I recommend that movie. I've made every girl I've ever watched, or every girl I've ever dated watch it. And I could tell, I could tell if they did not cry, 
for the whole last 30 minutes of that movie. There's no reason to date you. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> There's no reason because you can see I've never read a book or seen a movie that has more heart in it than that. And uh, it's crazy. You're going to have to play me. I've never met a musician or an individual that knows that song. I know it word for word, but I can't play it. I'll play it tonight. Um, that's one of the things, like, you were talking about uh, Friends in Love Places, and I'll always get people that'll come up and they'll be like, you know, I Garth Brooks, and I always know exactly where yes. they're going. You know, they want Friends in Love Places. And don't get me wrong, Friends in Love Places is a great song. It's a fun song. Ah! But, you know, it's, you know I'm, this- I'm a diehard Garth fan. So yeah. that to me is not the best song to go with. So I'll always like, I'll do uh, Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Oh, first. fuck yes. And then, oh, dirty to me. And like, I make people work for it. I'll sit there and I'll be like, all right, well, if you're really that big of a Garth fan, I'm going to play this next song. And if I don't see you singing along to it, then you're not really that big of a Garth fan. And what so is- then I'll go into Lonesome Dove. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I'll get surprised at some shows because I remember watching this one woman. She was walking out, and I went into that first line. You know, she was a girl on a wagon train. She stopped, turned around, came back in, and stood like four feet from me and sang the song word for word with me. Um, and that's one of the things that I love, seeing that kind of thing. And Do you know the story behind Friends in Low Places, how Garth ended up with it? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, you've been in Nashville probably several times, right? I've never been in Nashville. Don't go. I tell, I, I tell everybody. I hear I hear that I missed it by about 10 years. You missed it, you shit, know? by more than that. You, you missed it by 20, I would say. It's, it's bullshit. Well, my, my style, I think, oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, but you'll be surprised. I believe your style is what's there in the next five years. You think? I, oh, yeah. It's, from working in radio and seeing the veer that it's taking, is is usually you go with complete opposite. So to put it in perspective, 90s was... Country meets Southern rock. It did it very well. Okay. Then it rolled into the poppy shit, early 2000s. Well, poppy and Southern rock, complete opposite. So now that's what it's doing. Again, it's rotating itself and it's fixing to go into where the guys, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Cody Jinks, all that. See, I thought it was going to come around with Jamie Johnson. I thought that's where the turn was going to take with Jamie, but I don't know if you've ever been around him. He just doesn't give a shit, and I've, he does what he wants to do. I've seen I've seen Jamie Johnson about seven times. Yes, I, and every single show was completely different. Yeah, and I was watching an interview with him, and he was like, "Look, I go out there and I play, and if the crowd, he was like, I feed off the crowd, and if the crowd wants to get rowdy, he we'll gets get rowdy. rowdy. If the crowd wants to sit back and listen to sad songs, we'll play him sad songs. But he's like, we have no agenda when we go out. We just go out there and play. He's and little, that's one of the that's one of the things like uh, he was on. Last year's, uh, I'm one of my biggest influences is uh, Lee Von Helm and the band. I don't know who that is. Um, I've never heard of them. Never heard of the band? You mean the band? The like band. The, oh, okay. Yeah, so no, Lee Von Helm. You was, said Lee Von Helman band. I just didn't know. Lee Von, Von Helm was the drummer. Okay. Um, and then he went off on his own. They all kind of did their own thing. Um, but they do every year, uh, Warren Haynes has started doing The Last Waltz. And it's just a. Uh, a repeat concert of the last waltz and Scorsese shot that film. And it was just one of the most amazing things ever. They had Neil Young come out and a whole bunch of, um, I think, I think, uh, uh, was, uh, buddy guys on it. Just, it, it was an awesome collaboration of just this jam party 
So this year, or not this year because of COVID, but the year before, um, Warren Haynes brought Jamie Johnson and Lucas Nelson on the tour. Cool. And it was fucking awesome. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jamie Johnson has started doing some of those jam band things is because he just doesn't care uh, he what, way, what way the show goes. He, he played know? a show I was part of last year. Um, actually, some of my real good friends, uh, he's like my brother's name, Lee Tucker, that you actually have to meet because y'all two are going to hit it off and write some really good shit together. He is a, he is very, I'll play you some of the stuff when we get done. Um, uh, he's, he's probably going, he gets so giddy every time he hears my name because I've name dropped him more than anybody else. Uh, he sells insurance, but he's a hell of a, like a musician. Uh, he does not have the best voice ever. I think he's good, but his songwriting ability, stupid. It's out of this world. And he, he has a good enough voice that his demos and everything sound really good. Right. Um, but as I've told him before, he's got some songs that need to be kicked up a notch by sold to somebody and he likes them. I that was the thing. I think y'all two could do some good stuff together. But um he's one of the ones that told me like the story behind Friends in Low Places. But um but they he got to open up for, for Jamie last year and they said that he was extremely nice and a cool guy and that was like his dream that was his dream to be on stage walking off as Jamie's walking up. And uh but besides that I've I've not heard a lot of good things about him. Really? I've heard he's kind I, of an asshole. I play I play the same guitar as Jamie. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. But um, I've I've veered real bad right here. Didn't mean to, but hell, it's my podcast. So it doesn't matter. Um, the story about friends in low places is the folks that that wrote it. They first off, uh, they pitched it to George Strait. George okay. Strait turned it down. Um, but the reason why the people pitched it to George Strait in the first place was uh, and this is just like legend tales, you know. Uh, don't know how much truth is, but I've heard it from several different people. Is a uh, dude was a bad alcoholic. He had a very bad bar tab at a place in Nashville, and somebody else that was a songwriter there heard how bad his bar tab was, and this is like an 89, and he's like, you know what? I'll pay your bar tab if you'll make me co-writer on this song, because I guess the dude would play it or whatever there. Right. And um, when he became co-writer for it, then they pitched it to George. George turned it down, um, and I guess the other dude didn't want to sell it. Well, then Garth Brooks heard it. And some of George teams had pushed it along to him. And, uh, so a lot, I know a lot of people think it's a Garth Brooks song, but it's really not. And it really came out of somebody owing money for a bar tab, which kind of makes it hey, even I mean, cooler. It, I was going to say, it fits I mean, it, it kind of even makes it cooler. But, uh, the rest of the stuff that he had, I think Garth, I don't think he's underrated by any means, but his stuff that we got to hear as his singles and everything. To me, don't compare it to the stuff that was, you know, on the B side. Right. And the fact that you know some of that shit, that's cool. Um, right. What are the musical influences or whatever? Because I, I feel like me and you probably listened to the same shit growing up. Like, More than likely. Before you um, saying that. I mean, going going a little bit different route, James Taylor was another huge musical influence for me. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I got to, I got to see James. Um, I don't know when it was that what year it was that we went. Uh, yeah, it might have been like 2010, something like that. Um, but I, I think, I can't remember. If, I think Jen got me tickets for my birthday or something like that, but we saw him at Chastain. And I don't know if you've ever been to Chastain up mm, in Atlanta. It's a amphitheater that's in, um, it's in like the Buckhead area okay. of downtown. But it's, it's tucked in the middle of this neighborhood. 
all the seats come out like it's carved into the ground basically oh that's um, cool and it is just, it, the sound is awesome in there it's unreal and it's a small venue it does not hold a ton of people um there's not there's i no, like intimate shows there's no way lawn. better I mean, anyway the lawn that's there is is maybe the size of like your parking lot out front you know there's oh, it's, it, cool. it's, it's just it's unreal but he came out and uh he played for i think he played for three hours there was no opening band he came out played for three hours and he's super funny live like he's really? sound, he sounds just like his album his band is unreal um but he's really funny, and he's sitting there, and he's like, he played for about an hour. And he's like, all right, guys, well, that's going to be it. So he goes and starts to go off stage, and then he comes back, and he pulls this big chalkboard up. And I thought it was the coolest thing to see somebody with their set list as a chalkboard instead of, you know, it's like a four-foot tall Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that before. <laughs> um, but he pulls it up, and he's like, oh, he's like, shit, there's more songs on the back of here. He's like, guys, we're just going to take a real quick intermission, and then we're going to come back out. Um, but it was one of the most moving, unreal shows I've ever seen. And especially growing up with James Taylor was played a ton in my household. Um, it just brought back so many, so many emotions and feelings, and and to see it live was unreal. Yeah, um, that whole era of music, like I'm, the '70s, because that's I guess that's mainly what James is famous probably for is in the '70s. Yeah, um, the actual them telling the stories that they told through their songs is what makes me love like that whole genre what, of music. And like it, it was weird because the whole thing was a, his whole concert is a storytelling session. Yeah. Um, but he was sitting there and he was singing, uh, Carolina on my mind. That's my fave. And he, uh, he was talking about how he was in Paris. And I guess while he was in Paris, he was shacking up with this girl. And it his, happens in Paris. His, yeah. <laughs> His uh his flight was delayed or something like that. So they went to a little cafe and he wrote Carolina on my mind there. And there's a line that says, uh, Karen, she's the silver sun, you best watch her way and, and watch it make her way and watch it come or something like that. And the girl was named Karen. And he was like, Yeah, I was I was sitting there with Karen and and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know, he he's just a really good songwriter that pulled this out of his ass and I was like, Oh no, this is a uh, 100% isn't that where the best songs you know? come from though yeah I mean, I mean that, that's where I, I say all the time uh, we've had musicians come in here and I honestly believe that everybody has one all time great song in them right. and it's because it's your life your life is unique and if you can ever find a way to pick your best story of your life and put it into words and rhythm it's, a, it's, it's an all time song um, well, and that's one of the things of, I had a hard time dealing with that. And I use, I use a, a, a core group of guys that I use as songwriters. Like I, for the most part, I write pretty much the music. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I've had to get used to. I'm a very private guy, so I don't, I don't really like talking about my feelings or putting my feelings out there or, or anything like that. Um, so I've always used other people to, I'll give a topic or a subject and be like, okay, well, you run with this, and, and we'll get together on some things, and we'll start figuring out lyrics for it. Um, but it's something that I'm terrible about overthinking it. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, maybe I'm going to say something in the song that's too much. No. But then I've, I've become, after writing songs and putting together an EP and things like that, and seeing other people's reactions to them, 
and things that I may think are a little bit too much or, or whatnot. Everybody's experienced something, whether it's good or bad, that this song could help them through exactly whatever's happening, you know. Um, and one of the, like one of the great now recent songwriters, I think one of the greatest songwriters that's around, uh, Jason Isbell. Oh, my um, talk dirty to and, me. Where have you been at? You know, <laughs> you know you're talking who, about who's your dad? <laughs> 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 um, you know, Make sure we ain't brothers or somewhere. Right? Damn. Um, my dad was in Marietta. <laughs> All right, I'm 33 years ago. Shit. Here we go. Uh, oh, damn. Well, shit. Howdy, brother. <laughs> I've got one, but I've always wanted two. Oh, shit. Um, I don't want the one I got half the time, so we work something out. But, uh, you know, to, to hear him sing songs like Elephant. That, that song is the first song whenever someone brings up Jason Isbell. I tell them about Elephant and how beautifully wrote that song is. You know, that, that line of, if I would have fucked her before, if, she, got before she got sick. Yes. You know, to to put that out there, that takes a lot of balls, you know. But I'm sure that, I mean, it moved me never being in a, in a situation like that yeah. or anything like that. But it moved me in a certain way that I know it could only have hit other people I yeah. I literally I, I dated this girl like two years ago, and I thought like, this was the one or whatever. Like it's she, it took forever like to get this girl, but right at the end of our relationship, she found out that she was either gonna have to have a hysterectomy or like surgery or whatever. Like they found cancer on her ovaries or whatever, and uh, like she got super weird. We broke up after dating for a long time. And uh, I listened to that fucking song on repeat for about two weeks straight, drinking just insane amount of wild turkey. And I, it, I can only imagine people that are dealing with it firsthand when they hear that. It just, ha- but he's got so many, and the fact that everybody plays Morgan Wallen's version of "Cover Me Up" pisses so, me off. I he got, does, he does a good job of it. He does, but it but, ain't Jason Isbell. But I, I got so I was playing in Noonan one day. Um, there's a brewery there that I play at all the time called Abide, and uh, I was playing, and so I already had a bad taste in my mouth for Morgan Wallen. I don't mind a lot of his music. Yeah. It is, it's. It's still pop country, but it's not like terrible pop. Yeah, country. I see. I'm a big Morgan you know? Wallen. I actually like him. I think he's. I think he's different. But I could see how. I could it's, see how somebody wouldn't. It's not. It's not 100 percent my thing. And there was this woman yeah. there that she kept asking me to learn whiskey glasses, and I was like, I hate that. Song. I was like, Well, that's my whole thing, you know. Um, and I've never dove into any of his any of the other songs off of his albums or anything like that. I think the new song that he has out. I like it. It's pretty catchy. The Seven Summers? Um, no, not that one. Uh, More Than My Hometown? No. Talking Tennessee? No. Oh, shit. I didn't know he had another one. <laughs> um, I don't know. And I may not know the name of it. Yeah. Uh, but she kept on and kept on and wanted yeah. me to learn whiskey glass. Wanted me to learn whiskey glass. So I knew that I had that show coming up. So I kind of fucked my way through it at the house. And I was like, yeah. I think it's okay to play. Yeah. So I played it, and it went over really well. I, I didn't fuck up at all. Yeah. It was good. Well, then she comes up like an hour later and wants whiskey glasses again, and I was like, "Well, I already played it. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to play it again." 
I just threw like forty bucks in my tip jar. And I was well, like, you play it. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck, I gotta play the song again. Well, well you my, know the you know the rule everywhere you go. If it's free bird or wagon <laughs> wheels, a hundred dollars. Right. So you might as well start charging for Morgan Wallace so, songs too. So I sit there and uh, by that point of the show, I'd already had about seven IPAs, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go do whiskey glasses again. So I wound wound up going into it, and it was a fucking train wreck. Um, but then this girl comes up to me and she's like. Do you know uh, Morgan Wallen's version of, or she didn't say version. She was like, do you know Morgan Wallen's Cover Me Up? And I was like, no. I oh, boy. I was like, I know Jason Isbell's Cover Me Up. I'd have cussed her and out. And she was like, she's like, no, that version sucks. And I was you like. You suck, man. <laughs> that was basically my my response to it. You you remind me of a, a buddy of mine, and uh, he's done music for 10, 15 years. He just got out of it. His name's Matt Brantley. Um Super cool guy. Y'all actually have the same style. Y'all could almost be twins, to be honest with you. Uh, but he is infamous for if you walk up to him and you ask him to play some shit that he don't want to play, uh, he's very famous for the line. Somebody came up and said, hey, will you play uh, some Luke Bryan for me? Or it might have been Kane Brown. And, and uh, he said on the microphone, he said, I don't know who she is, but she sounds like shit. <laughs> and the whole bar just laughs their ass off. Um, but no, I don't, the real music like with, that Jason puts out, man, Stockholm. Uh, like Dress Blues is another one that. I don't, I cannot remember. Do you know who Zach Bryan is? Yeah. Zach Bryan had something to do with that song. or Oh, really? Or Jason, I don't remember the story behind it, but. I think either he helped with that song or he wrote that song that Jason started doing it or it's the opposite way. I can't, I really can't remember, but there's something, they have a connection on that song. Um, cause I think Zach Bryan is extremely talented oh, he's and, awesome. and a badass. So as soon as he gets in serving this country and he gets out of the service, he's going to be something to be reckoned with. I, as much as I like Tyler Childers, I think Zach Bryan's better. And I hate saying that cause I'm a huge Childers fan. Right. Uh, but artists like that, man, that's real country. And that's where I think you fall into that category. Uh, I think that that's the way the music is turning. I think they're tired of the fake shit. I think everybody in the country is tired of just fake-ass people. A bunch of these folks and songs that are coming out of Nashville. Uh, I realize that you have to be commercialized. Uh, most of these folks get to Nashville, they're broke, they want to make money and everything. But... Luke Bryan is about the best example I give people. His first album, maybe his first two, so good. Oh, yeah, they were killer. So good. And now he's singing about one margarita. Yeah, I heard that song. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, what are you doing? I just, I, I, I like those guys that, that call them out. Like, I've got a, I play a lot in, in East Tennessee. Oh, they hate them. <laughs> so around I, Knoxville and I, everything. I, I play in yeah. Knoxville and I play at, uh, in Gatlinburg a lot. And um, I've got a buddy of mine up there who's a huge Corey Smith fan. And, you know, <laughs> he's Corey, such Corey, an asshole. Corey Smith has that song, If That's Country, I'll Kiss Your Ass. Yeah. Um, so I sent him, we've got this joke, and uh, I, I want to make it a meme. And it's a picture of like Kenny Chesney on a boat with like no shirt on. Yeah. And Kenny Chesney went to the same high school as my buddy. Oh, cool. So his mom used to always say, or not his mom, his principal used to always say at the end of like morning announcements, he'd be like, and you guys just think about what would Kenny Chesney do? And that was like their their fucking their school's 
thing, what would Kenny Chesney do? That's cool. So I, I made this meme and I sent it to him as Kenny Chesney with like no shirt on or something like that. Looking like the and, rat that he like, <laughs> Right next to it says, what would Kenny Chesney do? And my buddy was having like a shit day. So I sent it to him and he was like, we'd probably move to the Caribbean and not be a fucking Eastern Tennessean anymore. He's one that completely pisses me off because I love everything he did the from the time shit. he came out till he decided he wanted to be a fucking pirate. Right. When he moved down there and decided that he was going to start flying. Only one that he's came out good with down there as far as I'm concerned is uh, Old Blue Chair. Old Blue Chair is a badass song. I absolutely love it. And then he seemed like that um, You and Tequila, but Grace Potter is so damn Badass. I, well, I she, was, she stole the show on yeah, that one. Yeah, you could. She, there, there was a song that he put out, and it was one of his. It was one of his his albums. I want to say when he was in the islands, or when he first like moved down to the islands, he did a song with Mac McAnally, um, called "Down the Road." I've heard it, and I, that song, I fucking love that song. Yeah, I, I I know what it is. Um, I don't think it's a bad one. I just, I just don't. None of them compare to that '90s Kenny. No, though. not at all. But from what, from the new stuff that he was putting out, and it's one of the things has to do with the fact that it was Mac McNally that yeah. was the writer behind it, because that guy's one of the best Nashville songwriters that there is. Um, but it's that whole story of, you know, uh, a daughter meeting a guy, and the the dad doesn't want the guy to take the daughter, yeah. and, and this and that, and. Um, I think that that was that's probably been my favorite song of his that he's released in the last fifteen years. You know, um, well, he's got one, and I'm trying to look it up right now. It's with Dean Dillon. I'm a very big Dean Dillon guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you you probably know who Dean is, right? I don't think I do. Okay, Dean Dillon. Uh, he's the success behind George Strait. Oh, actually, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, he, yes, he's yes. the he's the success behind George Strait. Uh, He's the one. Wasn't there a? Um, there's a documentary. Documentary. Out. It's Tennessee called whiskey. Tennessee Whiskey. Yeah. Yep, that's him. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at list. He did the song with Kenny Chesney. Uh, a lot of things different. West Texas town a little too late. Uh, I mean, you can just go it on spill perfume with Pam Tillis. He, he's a beast. Yeah, he's one of the most famous guys. That yeah, you've, yeah. Well, he 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 he's, is. He's one of the most famous guys that you've never heard of. Exactly. You know. Um, I think because him and Kenny Chesney. Our buddies, I feel like if Kenny would have went that route, I think Kenny's an all timer. I, I, but I also would have said the same thing about Brad Paisley. Um, but I think Brad Paisley's first two albums hold up just as good as anybody from the nineties. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and one of the things with Brad Paisley, it's one of those. He's such a good guitar player. Yeah, that it eventually got to the point where all of his songs got muddled down with him playing these big leads. And you don't you don't necessarily have to have that. Pick a couple of songs off your album and put those big leads in it. Yeah. Um, or if they're upbeat, fun songs that you're going to be drinking to, yeah, everybody's going to drink along to it. But, you know, you think about songs like We Danced or... Oh, my favorite one of his is... Uh... He didn't have to be. He didn't have to be. Oh, no. shit. You talk about, let's let's get hammered so and listen to that and see what I got, happens. I got real emotional... Uh, when Jen and I first started dating, this was back in like 09, um, I was, how old was I in 09? Still. Like shit, you're 20, making me do math. 20, 28, 29? No, way before that. Uh, I was not, no, no, no. We're like 24, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
So my brother, my brother's seven years older than me. He sent, he called me up one night or he sent me a text and Jen and I have been dating for a little while and Jen has a daughter. So he calls me up and, or sent me a text and he sent me a little link with it. He was like, dude, I heard the song and the song reminds me of you. And I pulled it up and I like, I knew what it was instantly because I had known the song, but then I listened to it and I was like, I'm sending the car. <laughs> The one that you didn't know, have to pay. I was like, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna, if you're, I'm, it sounds like you're tenderhearted. I'm very tender. I'm a fucking crybaby. I got one that's going to completely ruin your life when you leave here today. <laughs> and it's poppy country, but if you, it, it's this one right here. It's, uh, it's LV Shane. It's new song. It's called My Boy. Uh, I'm t- well, before y'all walk out, I'll play it. And I'm telling you, that one right here. It's uh, if you are a step parent or whatever you are, it fucks you up. I had a grown man in here the other day. Uh, my daddy and one of his buddies came by to help me do some stuff or whatever, and um, I knew his situation, and I played that song without him knowing that I was gonna play it. I have this bad habit of wanting to make grown men cry. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is so tender-hearted, and I am too. Like, we we cry at Hallmark commercials. There's there's a real famous one that everybody picks on us about. There's a Super Bowl game, and Super Bowl game. There was a fucking Super Bowl, and uh, there was a Hallmark commercial, and it was these kids in a classroom, and uh, there was one little boy that was special needs in the classroom. And it's Valentine's Day, and everybody's getting out Valentine's cards. Little special ed boy didn't get one. Pretty little blonde girl goes up and drops a, a Valentine's Day card in this thing, hugs her. And me and my dad are both like, don't fucking look at us. Like, just crying and shit. And so now I think it is extremely funny. But it, you also get to see, like, people are sensitive. Like, I, me and you don't look like the sensitive types. Well, that's that's the whole thing. Like, I, I, I'll cry I look, while I'm whooping your ass. Yeah, I, look, <laughs> I, look, I look the way I do on the outside, but I've got a heart in there. Mm. Like, you were talking about uh, Super Bowl commercials. I was over at my buddy's house, and we had a whole bunch of people over yeah. watching the Super Bowl. And it was, I think the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. He was a big Eagles I fan. already knew it. Fuck commercial. You it, was, it was the Budweiser The commercial. dog commercial. The fucking, what? Oh, shit. <laughs> when he's looking out the window, waiting on his eye. It got all us. Oh, shit. I remember that. And, and we're sitting there. We're all, we're all drinking. And, like, I look back. Like, I, I couldn't I couldn't have them looking at my eyes yeah. or anything. So, I looked back. And my buddy's wife is sitting right back behind me, and she looks at me, and we both literally lose our shit. Yeah, this long eyes. <laughs> that goddamn dog. <laughs> I remember. I remember exactly where I was at, because I was in a room full of people. I did not want to cry. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my I, whole thing. I, was, I could not have picked the worst group of people to watch that commercial with. Because then it was like, oh, you crybaby bitch, like, for the next till the game was over. Right. It was Eagles and Patriots. <laughs> um, cause I'm, I'm a Tom Brady fan and, uh, I remember, and then like, I, cause I'm here after the game, my smart ass comments about who's crying now, fellas. <laughs> um, but man, I, I think that you're going to come back and, and do another one. Um, I'm excited about it tonight. This is, uh, this has been cool. It's been laid back. Uh, it's not, I mean, we're the same age, but the fact that you know, there's a lot of connections there and, uh, I look forward to us doing some stuff with you. Plug your stuff one more time before we get up off of here. Um, I think us crying at Super Bowl commercials is definitely <laughs> the end point to this right. one. But uh, plug your stuff one more time. Tell them about your new song. Where to right. find you on social media. So uh, 
my my video for my song Stranger just came out. So if you look it up on YouTube, Roy Saunders Music on YouTube, song called Stranger. Check it out. We filmed it at Brushy Mountain State Prison. Um, it was a real good time. We got a lot of other musician friend cameos in there and stuff like that. We're we got a big prison brawl that happens. Um, I whore myself out by the way for music videos. <laughs> just so you know. I like to put our brand and myself in music videos. Um, that was one of the cool next, things. Next they time did. you do one, holler at me. That was one of the cool things they did. They etched my logo on the onto like walls and stuff like that. Oh, that's Post production. Cool. We can get a raisin grace one in there. By the way, y'all's logo, you're sick. Thank you. I, Thank I, you. I absolutely. I don't run into a lot of. I mean, because it's always the guy's name spelled out, but it's spelled out in the shape of a guitar. Right, uh, it's it's very seldom you get one that's just super cool. So, Blackberry Smoke has a great, great one. Yeah, uh, but yours is yours is nasty. My, I uh, dig it. My cousin lives in uh, Charleston, and he actually drew that out for me. Cool. Um, he's got check him out on Instagram. Low Tide Designs. Um, he's a killer, killer artist, Sweet. and he's just now learning how to tattoo. So I was like, yes, free tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I've already got them planned out. I just need I just need the guy to go through. Man, I'm such a bitch. I I wanted a half sleeve and I wanted this right here done, uh, my chest piece done. And so I started the day I got fired. The day I met you, uh, I still got three more sessions to go because I didn't realize what a bitch I was anymore. And I cannot sit there longer than two three hours. I get tender, dude. I I can put in the time. Um, like I've got I've got a quarter of my back done. Um, I got shit on my arms, yeah. but when I did my chest piece, and it's still not finished, that was the most excruciating pain I've ever been to. When they get on your breastbone, right, right yeah, holy All shit! All right, so <laughs> mine mine runs around my tit, up my sternum, on the collarbone, and then back. I sat there and I had to grab the bottom of the fucking chair, and the guy who's doing my tattoos. Shout out to Redemption Tattoo up in Macon. Y'all look them up. They're freaking awesome. Thank you, Chris, for the work you're doing. Um, He didn't tell me. He did not tell me how bad it was going to hurt. Because the first thing I did, because I'm getting a lot of stuff covered up when I was young. Right. And uh first session was like four and a half hours or whatever. And it was just on my bicep and shoulder. And uh he did not tell me the chest piece was going to feel the way it did. And then we had the discussion beforehand because he was like, do you want your nipple covered uh, or do you not? And I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, it's going to look weird if not. And he said, look, I'm just going to be real with your ass. I got to tattoo that nipple. <laughs> it ain't feeling good. You ain't like, and then, but my dumb ass, I go look at Dwayne Rock Johnson and I see where he got his nipple tattooed. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then like, I'm not Dwayne DeRock Johnson. (laughs) I had my nipples pierced for a while, and that is... Oh, big boys don't get their nipples pierced. I wasn't big then. Oh, well, (laughs) I know the feeling. I used to be in shape, too. Then I got fat, and then I lost weight. Um, They had to to fix part of my chest tattoo, because the first guy who did it was was off-centered a little bit. And they did writing up across my two collarbones, and, like, just below my throat, and that was... I know. Mine's, mine's, in, mine's in here. Yeah. They didn't get in the throat, but I've got all the collarbone and the neckline. They get on that neckline, and right here, you find out how big a boy you, you are. Start, you start feeling shit in your jaw. Oh, yeah, because you can, you can hear it rattling, and you're like, nope, this was a stupid <laughs> idea. 
But if I don't go through with it right yeah, now, he's, then, he's then, already started. So yeah, yeah, like fuck, I can't help. Like I have to finish this. Otherwise, I'm gonna look half doodled, and I'm not gonna look half doodled. Right. Like I am going to the beach without my shirt on, <laughs> and no, somebody's not gonna be like, "He's a puss." <laughs> like I could see him. Like he just couldn't take it. I got a buddy that God, I'm not gonna call his name out because I don't want him or his wife to cut me and get mad at me. He got a barbed bar wire tattoo on his. Like, cause that's what it used to be cool to get barbed wire tattooed on you, um, around his bicep. Well, when it got to the under part of his arm, he was like, it can only go so far. So his barbed wire comes <laughs> off. He never finished it. Oh, and that barbed wire, he didn't, he didn't gain a little weight too. So that barbed wire didn't stretch to hell out. <laughs> so it's only like, um, like two thirds of his arm. Oh, it's ridiculous. But, um, man, I hope you come back down. I hope the show tonight's good. I can't wait for us to book you for some shows next year. Us get to know each other better. Um, main thing, I can't wait to hear you play Lonesome Dove. I'm, I haven't pulled it out in a while. I'm excited about it. Yeah, do not play it till I get there. I won't. No, wait till my fat ass walks in that door <laughs> and I'm in pain from getting a tattoo. Because I'm, I promise you, I'm going straight to that bar and I'm getting us uh, some liquor. Shout out to Barefoot Tavern too. Um, cool people there. Uh, but thank you, brother. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be seeing you real soon. Thank you all for listening to the Raising Grace podcast, politics, religion, and whiskey. And uh, we'll be talking to you real soon.